Welcome to Life After the Fire, the preeminent podcast for all things related to having an amazing life after the fire service. My name is Chris Phelps. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Randy Eisenstadt with Northwestern Mutual. She's our first non-fire connected guest. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. So the big reason that I wanted to have you on the show is... We're, you know, for our, we've only had like one or two shows that have posted, but already we're getting some great feedback and we've gotten a couple of questions related to uh, folks that are getting ready to retire. So these are folks that are in like the last uh, six months of their career and they're trying to decide where to go. And I know from my experience, uh, you know, being a 22 year paid veteran of the fire service that having a, a professional financial um, team behind you is vitally important. And that financial team to have uh, behind you, you know, starts with the financial planner, a mortgage lender, uh, an accountant, uh, maybe even an attorney. So, mm -hmm. so let's talk about the financial uh, advisor financial planning piece. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because in, in that world and in that industry, you talk pre-retirement and these guys and girls are young, yeah. right? You know, most of our clients, when we're talking pre-retirement, they're like pre-retirement, right? They're like 50s, 60s, like ready to not mm -hmm. work anymore. Yeah. But when you're talking to somebody in the fire service industry, they have a whole life ahead of them. Exactly. So, you know, we had talked about this offline, but, you know, it's it's vitally important to have that team from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen that way, right? You know, right. these guys and girls get into the, the career and they're just excited to, like, be doing their dream job and... Mm -hmm. The last thing they're thinking about is calling a financial advisor. Nobody's thinking about calling a financial advisor. We don't get incoming calls, right? Like exactly. all of our businesses are are predominantly based off of word of mouth and referrals. And, you know, typically any outgoing calls I make is because somebody gave me somebody's phone number to say, hey, you know, right. this is a good friend of mine. This is my brother. This is my sister. You know, they would love to to meet with you. So, yeah, it's. It is very important that they have that team around them um, from the beginning. But if they are just starting to look into some of these areas for financial advice, say five, 10 years before they're retiring, um, you know, it's it's a very individualized conversation. Right. I have one client that is a firefighter up in Orlando, um, a really good friend of mine's husband um, works here in Palm Beach County. And, you know, when I've, I spoke to both of them and both of them say like, it's a very individualized process yeah, sure. and decision on which route to take. Right? right. And, and, and how to save money and invest money according to what their goals are. Right. If you're a single person, you have probably different goals than somebody that's married with kids. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and if you're somebody that wants to take that that early retirement, right? And you have 
hopes, goals, and dreams of some other career avenue that you want to take, then there's things that need to probably be put in place to do those things, right? Gotcha. So yeah, so I think it's I think it's definitely, you know, as non-sexy as it is, you know, I don't have an answer <laughs> for everything, but you know, it is, I think, a very individualized type of conversation um, for these people. And and how does that uh, how does that that conversation start? Like, what are some of the typical things that you uh, that that you look at in doing a full, comprehensive evaluation of somebody's financial yeah you know, planning? It's a great question. So that I can answer. Um, so when we sit down with somebody, whether it's an individual, a couple, a family, a business, right? Some of the first questions that we ask are like, what are your goals, right? What are your your financial goals? What are your personal goals? What are your professional goals? And then we kind of break that down with short-term, mid-term, and long-term, right? Because the way in which we do comprehensive planning, we want to know these people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. We want to get in there and say, like, we want to know, like, what your dog's name is. Like, we want to know, like, what your favorite food is. Like, we want to know them on a very personal level because the way in which we're able to make these plans, it's on a very relationship-based you know, conversation and not transactional, like, okay, you have this much discretionary income, let's put it in here, I'll call you in a year, right? So the first thing we sit down and we ask, like, what is it that you want, right? Like, where do you see yourself three years, five years, 15 years down the road? Um, so that's kind of how we start. And then we dig in a little bit more and we get some facts from them based on their history with financial planning. Some people have done nothing, right? Um, some people have done things, but not necessarily with somebody. For example, they had an old 401k and called their bank and said, can you put this in an IRA? And they didn't even know what IRA stood for, but they were just told to do that, right? Exactly. So they do that. And then, you know, some people aren't even really aware of the ins and outs of how these financial vehicles work, right? Like the pros and cons to everything. So we dig in and not only do we get as much information from them as possible to create a comprehensive financial plan, but we're all about educating, right? Like we want our clients to know what they're doing, why they're doing it, right? And also be able to feel kind of like that peace of mind around their plan and the things that we, that we put in place. I find that, you know, and you probably will agree with this, that one of the, the biggest stressors in people's lives is money, yeah. right? And it's like almost one of the number one causes for people to get divorced, right? Because mm -hmm. there's just not alignment um, or really a plan in place at all. So it's just kind of a junk drawer of things yeah. <laughs> floating around. Yeah. So, so I, I recall like starting out, you know, obviously you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, disposable cash, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, before we had a, a nice comfortable nest egg, um, there were other investment vehicles that we, uh, that we took on, namely insurance to, to kind of bridge that gap. Like if, if all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't here anymore or my wife wasn't here anymore, we were still, we would still have something to provide for our kids. Right. So what's your, um, some of your philosophies on, insurance to to start out is that like one of the first things you recommend or yeah so um that's one of my favorite things to talk about um so thank you for asking so as you had mentioned you know i'm with northwestern mutual and 
160 plus years ago, Northwestern was a life insurance company, right? Now, fast forward to where we are now, we're a full-fledged, you know, financial planning firm. So one of the key things that we do, I think, and specialize in is life insurance, income protection, right? Long-term care insurance and risk management really overall. And making sure that our clients aren't just talking to us about putting money away and saving and investing, but like, God forbid something happens, right? What does this look like for your wife? What does this look like for your husband? What does this look like for your children? Do you want them to go to a state school or a public school or private school, right? So again, we ask all those like really personal questions. Some people don't have all those answers, mm-hmm. um, but we get to know them as much as we possibly can. And yeah, that is if not the most important part of a conversation, but it goes hand in hand with talking to them about the offensive side of their planning, right? Like retirement and savings and all of those fun things that people really enjoy talking about. Talking about, you know, risk management and life insurance is super morbid and not fun, um, but very, very important when it comes to a comprehensive financial plan. And What we find sometimes is when we get with people that have either done some things or even put some insurances in place, their insurance stuff and their investment stuff are not speaking to each other. And the way in which we comprehensively plan for our clients is those things should marry one another. Like one thing works for one reason and the other thing works for another reason. But like there are really cool strategic ways to actually use insurance that will offset down markets, right? So if, for example, you don't have any other place to run to pull from, let's say in your retirement years, all your money is invested in the market. God forbid it's March of 2020 and you've got one place to go to pull money out to pay for your cost of living and it's on sale, right? So it's super, super important to make sure that our clients are completely diversified amongst different vehicles which are, you know, risk adverse and, you know, taking on the proper risk that suits their, their wants and needs. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have some of these things set up for myself, um, from a very early age. My dad worked for Northwestern for 18 years. Yeah. So it's funny. I ran into a guy in the elevator in our building today and he introduced himself and his name was Bob. And I was like, that's my dad's name. And, and I said, uh, I said, my dad used to work at Northwestern. He goes, oh, you you took over his practice? I said, no, my dad's been long retired from this business. And I had zero intentions of getting into this business because of him. It just worked out that way. I had a whole nother career before I got into finance. And because he worked for the company and had the education that he had around these things at a young age, when he got married and started having a family, he put those things in place. And he opened up my first life insurance policy for me when I was a baby. And Mm -hmm. it's been such a beautiful gift that he was able to give to not only me, but my brother, because A, I'm insured for the rest of my life. God forbid my health changes. You know, obviously, as we get older, insurance costs more money. Um, But he opened up a permanent life insurance policy for me, which was growing year over year in the accumulated cash value, right? So you hear permanent life insurance, whole life cash value, they're all the same thing. They just have these different names. And what that does is not only does it give me this permanent death benefit, that's an appreciating value. So we'll continue to grow year over year, but it has a living benefit. This cash inside this policy that is risk-free, 
accessible at any time for any reason. So, you know, there's penalties to touching our retirement accounts too soon. Sure. We got to pay Uncle Sam and fees and all the things. This has none of that, right? And I actually didn't even know about this policy until I was 25 years old, which was a good thing. Because any year before that, I would have <laughs> made horrible financial decisions with with that money. But it's been able to help me in times that I've that I've needed money, right? So um, I've been very fortunate to have my dad had been in the business to know about these things, to set these things up for my brother and I. And I asked him one day if he wasn't in this business or if he wasn't with Northwestern, would he have done those things? And he's like, I don't know. You know, because you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, so conscious, there's conscious incompetence and unconscious incompetence. Yeah. So knowing what you don't know and don't not twister. knowing what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, but what I'm, so what I'm hearing you, you talk about is, you know, the differences between a, a, an offensive financial strategy mm -hmm. as well as a defensive uh, financial strategy. And that, uh, that this vehicle that you're, you're talking about um has elements of both right so it can solve some you know, both uh objectives right well right yeah so there's there's two types of of life insurance right if you're needing to put those things in place you know god forbid because if something does happen to somebody there is a financial impact no matter what on the rest yeah. of the family um and everybody has an insurance need right that's not a one-size-fits-all thing either mm -hmm. right it's you know, what's your mortgage? You know, if God forbid you passed away, don't you want to make sure that that's taken care of so your spouse doesn't have to take on a second job just to pay the bills, right? Um, and and what is that person's, you know, you know, financial loss, right? If they're not here anymore, what does life look like when they're no longer making money, right? Because yeah. they're not here. So everyone's got their own their own insurance need, but there's term insurance, which just lasts for a term of time. And it's a super inexpensive way to get a lot of insurance, right? So let's say I have a client that comes to me and they've only got a limited budget to spend on their financial plan. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at the risk management side of their, their financial picture first and foremost, and we say, okay, well, this is your insurance need, but I've only got this much to work with. We're going to start with some term insurance because at the end of the day, something's better than nothing. It's going to sure. cost you less than what it costs to get a cup of coffee in the morning. Right. And there's options within those term insurance policies that over the course of the first 10 years of some of these policies, you can convert into a permanent life insurance policy when it makes sense financially for you to be able to afford to do something like that. Gotcha. Obviously, permanent insurance costs different than term insurance because it has all these additional benefits to it, right? Right. You're getting cash value. You're getting the company dividend payout. Um, you have an appreciating death benefit where term insurance is just an amount. God forbid something happens. Yeah. This gets paid out to your family. And there's a crazy statistic that not a lot of people are even aware of, but I think it's like less than 2% of term insurance policies, and I can only really speak on Northwestern, actually get paid out on the life of the policy. I mean, people aren't, you know, prematurely dying every single day. They are, but statistically, those policies don't often get paid out, which so, is good. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's <laughs> it's a, good. <laughs> great way to mitigate, mitigate your risk. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We also, you know, being one of the most sought after insurance companies, you know, are only insuring healthy people and people that, you know, we're not willing to take on risks. You know, if somebody comes to me that's 
just had a heart attack and is smoking cigarettes and going to the bar every single night, they're probably going to get declined. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. There's some underwriting involved. Exactly. Okay. So moving on to more of the, you know, some of the offensive strategies, um, you know, obviously starting early is, is, is the best. Yep. Um, but as people are getting closer to retirement, um, one of the big questions that, that comes up, some departments, some fire departments have something called a, a drop program. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a deferred retirement option. They can you know, physically get, uh, physically retire, or they, I guess it's theoretically retire. Mm-hmm. Then, then they're still on the job. So they're, they're still collecting their, their income from the fire department. Right. But their retirement that they would normally be receiving is going into a separate account and is dispersed to them upon their you know, their their actual retirement right. date as a lump sum. Right. One of the big questions we get is, you know, should I go into the drop or should I just retire and go off and take on another career? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I had talked to those two people that I had mentioned, one of my clients and then my friend's husband, who's also a firefighter, and both of their answers to me when I had asked this question, because I, I wanted to know for myself too, because I don't have a ton of clients that are in that industry, but when I do come across those people, hopefully from this podcast, um, <laughs> you know, I'll be able to, to service them and, and be able to give them some more direct answers. But unfortunately, what I'm finding is a lot of those answers to those questions are very individual based on that person, right? Um, I think it's amazing the benefits that you guys are provided, right? There, yeah. there are so many incentives to go that route, you know, for a career um, because of those benefits. Not everybody gets those things, right? Yeah. So, you know, and the other thing to consider is like if you've got this lump sum of money coming in, there needs to be a plan in place for that exactly. lump sum of money. Where is that going, right? Yeah, because if you don't roll that over into a qualified plan, you're getting some major tax implications. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the other uh, thing that we, we strive to educate our clients on is like mitigating their exposure to taxes and making sure that they understand like, well, this vehicle, you can do this. And these are the rules and regulations here. And then this one, well, this doesn't hurt you here, but it has this, you know, restriction on it. So just kind of educating people on where they can put money, why, um, and then also understanding like the need for it, right? Like, you're in the real estate business now. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, I want to buy a home in a year. Okay. Well, that money needs to be more liquid. Right. Yeah. Or if somebody's like, I need this, I want this money for retirement. I don't want to touch it. Then we can put that into something that, you know, you don't necessarily need in a short term period. Excellent. So, yeah. so basically what you're saying, obviously it's, it, it's very individualized yep. as to what's the, the best thing to do, you know, uh, whether you're, Moving on into a, another career, uh, going off to to earn a, a second pension, moving into a, a whole nother you know line of work, yeah. Uh, or you want to just be completely and totally retired, mm-hmm. yeah. You know the your response or your individual answer to that question is, is going to be different. Yep. Yeah. So good stuff there. And How old are some of these these people when they retire? Like they're like in their. I was. 41 that's crazy that's great my dad started his business when he i mean he now i didn't actually 
you know, let me back that up a little bit. Uh, I was, I was 40. I, and I bounced around from, for a couple of departments. Yeah. So I had not reached my normal retirement age, hundred percent vested. And we'll start collecting when I turn 55, never did or had the opportunity to do the drop program, anything like that. But, you know, I moved into the mortgage business, right. moved into an, another career and was fortunate in that, you know, I had set a goal for myself that, you know, moving into this business, I didn't want to have a step back financially. Right. And, you know, so like my first year, I, you know, I accomplished that goal. I, I, I made more in the mortgage business than I made the prior year in the fire service. And then that following year, it like almost doubled. Yeah. And then the year after that, it almost like doubled again, <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward to a really, really amazing year. And it was like, okay, we're making in a month what we made in a year right. in the fire service. So, right. you know, something like that is very difficult to anticipate or project to even to, you know, I never could fathom that, but, yeah. uh, you know, so, you know, I would have started down one financial path where we did, we started down one financial path and then we had to make a big yeah. transition because totally different. Yeah. You're totally making different a different type now. of income. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, and I don't know how many people are aware, but like when you are, you know, this is later in life, right? Like my parents are now 70, but when you start withdrawing from these retirement accounts, you can only be showing on paper a certain amount of income, right? So if you are taking on another career and you're making really, really good money, you know, you can't necessarily also be taking from some of these vehicles, your retirement accounts. Right. So yeah, there, there definitely needs to be conversations, I think, with each, each individual based on the path that they want to take. But, you know, I'd ask about your age because it's like, you know, I'm 36. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, it'd be nice to not work, <laughs> but I, I love what I do. Um, but you know, five, six years from now, I couldn't see myself doing nothing, Yeah. you know? So if yeah. I made a career change, whatever the case may be, I mean, I did make a career change from my past career into my career. Now, um, I was in my early thirties. I couldn't imagine like there's what are you going to do all day? I mean, you go golfing and yeah. sit on your boat. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, there, there definitely are those success stories of, of, of folks within the fire service that, you know, when they got to their normal retirement age and whether they did the, the drop program or they didn't do the drop program, there, there are those success stories of, of folks that have been able to live off of that and, you know, live within those means mm -hmm. and they're you know, live within their means and, and be happy and, and prosperous and, and whatnot. But, but there's just as many, if not more folks that, uh, that got to their retirement age and said, okay, uh, you know, I've been working all my whole career for, for this and this is how much I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't live off of that. Right. I'm going to have to do something else. I'm, I wasn't, I can, I, all I know how to do is be a firefighter. Right. So that was another impetus behind this, this show was helping people to, or inspiring people to, to think about their life after the fire and right. what, you know, what do you want to do? What is what do you want that to look like? Yeah. And here's examples of, of folks, uh, that are, that are in their retirement and what they're doing or, and, uh, find something that, that, uh, that matches up with, with what you like or yeah. what you want to be 
and uh, and run with it. Yeah. Did you like know that you wanted to retire early? No. You didn't. So what kind of made you <laughs> so make that I, decision? It was for for us it was a it was a family decision. Okay. So as my wife likes to say, she was following me around for 15 years and it was my turn to follow her. Got it. And she was offered a a, a great position to to realize her one of her life goals of being a flight uh, nurse mm -hmm. uh, was offered a position up in Tennessee cool. and uh, and I had been you know working uh, I was a battalion chief with the fire department uh, I had a pretty cake job mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie I, yeah. I think it was the best job in the fire service the, the guys uh, that, that that worked under me took very good care of me uh, I, you know it wasn't a lot of heavy lifting at, at, at that time um, but I also had on the side, as most or a lot of firefighters do, they had something they do on the side. Mm -hmm. I got roped into the mortgage business. And uh, when she said, she, you know, hey, I got this opportunity to go to Tennessee, uh, I said, all right, I'll get out of the fire service. I'll do the mortgage business. And it was definitely stressful, a different type of stress than, than what I had at the fire service. Mm -hmm just you know funny for people to to hear and like my first ever boss in the mortgage business sat me down it's like you know how's you know it'd been a couple months and he's like how are you doing you you seem stressed <laughs> and i'm like i gotta tell you i'm more stressed doing this job than i ever was running into burning i was buildings. gonna say putting out a fire <laughs> it's so funny it's so weird you know because you're i don't know it was just doing the fire service i you know i knew you know what we were doing yeah, stuff was was stressful, and and uh, you know we saw a lot of you know really bad stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw a lot of really good things mm -hmm. too. I don't want to discount that. Yeah. But then in the in the mortgage business, it's like man, these people's houses on the line, mm -hmm. and you know their their house was on the line with me at the farm. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but it's a different kind of feeling. It's like hey, you got that moving truck is loaded up and sitting out front. Uh, you know, we can we get the keys? Yeah. It's like, well, on an underwriter you know it's so stressful yeah yeah so it's just different. It's, different it's so weird but um yeah so that was that was it and um it was not it was definitely not my goal to do that mm -hmm. and and retire early like that but did it work out heck yeah it did. yeah you know and having more opportunities to be uh, together as a family and help with raising the kids and it just it, it created so much more uh, so much more of a of a family bond right that, you have uh, like more autonomy of your time i would, feel like wouldn't change a thing yeah 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 would you like would you recommend that to some people or would it obviously be like based on their individual situation yeah, I mean, it all just depends i mean as far as you know, with me with the mortgage business there was uh you know i i enjoyed it you know, some could argue but it turned out i was actually good at it <laughs> and uh and i could make money doing it so i call that uh the triad of awesomeness yeah so something you're good at uh, something you like doing and something you can make money at yeah if you find those three things yeah in whatever it is uh wrong with it yeah i remember reading um in the wall street journal years ago and i think it said something around like 10 or 12 percent of people can say that 
like mm-hmm. can say that they're enjoying what they're doing. Wow, that's I a know. low percentage. I know. This was a while ago, so hopefully it's changed. <laughs> um, I feel like COVID definitely helped kind of steer people out of an unhappy environment, work environment, into possibly something that they're more fulfilled in. Um, but yeah, it's it's I personally, I've had two careers where I not only feel like I love what I do and I'm good at what I'm doing, um, but I can make a living and support myself. Yeah. And so I feel blessed to have had that twice. Yeah. Yeah. And you too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So we uh, we always try to um you know, keep these, you know, roughly around the 30 minute mark. That's like the, the average drive time or, <laughs> or time on a treadmill in my case. Are we boring anybody? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think we're getting close to that. So I always like to, to, to finish these with a, with a, with a call to action. So in, in our case here, uh, you know, I would say, you know, whether you're brand new on the job, you know, been on the job for a number of years or getting close to retirement, if you have not if you've not reached out and and spoken with a financial advisor and gotten on the right path to financial freedom, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now there's no better time than, than the present. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a it's a very high trust relationship yep. that you have with your financial advisor, speaking from personal experience. Mm-hmm. And it's important to find somebody that you can have that level of uh, communication and trust in and uh and a good way to get a hold of randy would be how um they can call me they can email me okay what's a good way to email you you can email me um at randy r-a-n-d-i dot my last name eisenstat we're gonna put that in the show comments e-n-s-h-t-a-t at nm.com, so Northwestern Mutual. Um, and I can be reached via cell phone, uh, 713-502-1757. It's a Houston area code, um, oh. born and raised. And um, yeah, I mean, I would I would love to just have kind of a an open conversation with anybody that's listening that is in that space, right? That they don't have that relationship with somebody. They've got some questions. Um, you know, there's no pressure to do anything. You know, our first conversation with people is really just to see it, if it is a good fit, right? Sure. It's kind of like speed dating. Yeah. And um, we have a huge team of people. I mean, we've got over 35 advisors in my office. Uh, my managing director has been in the business for over 20 years. Um, so, you know, if I'm not the right fit, which is totally fine, um, I've got a team of people that can work with all these individuals. So we would love to help in any way we can. Awesome. Yeah. Well, get your financial, to get your financial house in order, you need a good solid team behind you. Yes. Financial advisor is a cornerstone of that financial planning team. And if, as far as our show goes, if you like what you're hearing, uh, like, follow and share. Uh, if there's somebody that you think that we should be connected with to feature on our show, it's you can reach us by email at info at latfpodcast.com. That's info at latfpodcast.com. We'll see you on the next one. Yeah.